Hello and welcome to He's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Ivitaloni. Yes. In my Italian pronunciation. <laughs> uh, which is a, a Fellini movie from 1953. Uh, in English, Ivitaloni means... On, well, Wikipedia has it as the Bullocks slash the Layabouts. The subtitles yeah. on Mubi had it as the Young Bucks. So basically, mm. the lads. I think that's a better... Yeah, the lads. Yeah. <laughs> well, though, no, because in English, lads has class connotations. Yeah. Right? So lads would be a working... Has working class connotations. Whereas, you know, the world that we're seeing is very much a middle class one. Very specifically a middle class one. In uh, Evie Teloni, though I think very interestingly, middle classness in 1953 Italy has different connotations than to us. Mm. Yeah, so you can be middle class and work as a shop assistant. Yeah, I mean, I must say, it didn't even occur to me to think of it as being middle class based, but I suppose you're right. Oh, very much so. But um, yeah, but yeah, like it is. They have maids. Yeah, yeah. They have maids. They have cars. You know, they can afford to be layabouts. In Spanish, actually, there's a term to describe them, which is senoritos. It's like little sirs. Yeah? <laughs> They're kind of, you know, they'd be people who, you know, I don't know, the son of a general or an accountant or somebody who owned their own shop, that kind of middle class thing, where because the country was so poor, they did have maids. Yeah, mm. kind of, you know, they, they all went to university uh, you know, they got jobs through connections and could take their time getting them, right? And they could spend a lot of time between, like, school and getting a job, mm. you know, because, A, there was nothing to buy, the economy was so bad, right? And having a little job, you know, uh, uh, already meant, you know, that you were way ahead of people, you know, because a lot of these maids and people like that, you know, they were basically working on subsistence wages. I, you know, they were basically being fed that's all they lived in the house you know kind of um they were fed and clothed and sometimes they would get a wage i mean i remember my my gran you know who worked as a maid in a drugstore her wages basically was she was fed yeah and she was clothed and when she got married uh her employers bought her a set of bedding yeah mm. sheets yeah and pillowcases and so on yeah, for her wedding night. So she wore three years for a set of sheets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so in that context, these are very middle class people. They're not working. They have money to buy drinks and to eat and to go dancing. Yeah. Yeah. So they're kind of they're they're young men, able to piss ass about basically, uh, wasting their time, and that's kind of the 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 thrust. In, in some sense of the film, is about how time is wasted in a small town like this, where you don't have yes. kind of many pressures on you, really. Um, the parents have expectations, so your, your main character, is, well, it's an ensemble thing, but effectively the main character is this guy who uh, gets a girl pregnant and he's made to marry her by his dad and made to get a job. So he's made by his parent to grow up, basically, and he mm. kind of doesn't really want to. And by the end of the film, pretty much everyone is more or less in the same place that they started. And there's this, there's this wonderful image of everyone asleep, kind of sleeping through the rest of their lives. 
Yes. You know? Yes, that's a beautiful image, isn't it? I think so. That is my favourite part of the film. I, I, I must say, I watched this slightly before you did, and I was about an hour in when I texted you and said, you're going to love this. And I knew you would. Yes, yes and I do. Because it's, <laughs> it's so evocative of a kind of small town way of life. And it has these little kind of, it's almost vignette It does have a plot, but it's, but it has episodes and that kind of thing. And it shares its mm. attention between different characters and different places. And like all the, all the main characters, all of the, the, the young bucks um, have a different aspect to them. They evoke something different or they connote something different. So there's the guy who's being forced to grow up and there's the guy who wants to be a playwright and he has these ambitions. And there's the guy who is kind of dispossessed and doesn't want to be there. And there's the guy who is upset at his older sister kind of growing up. Um, and they all kind of yes. evoke something different, but it's only yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, but it just wasn't kind of my cup of tea. I just I kind of I got it, but I wasn't feeling it. And then in the last scene where your man leaves, I just I thought that was extraordinarily beautiful, and I loved it so much. I love all of it. It really speaks to me. It's in many ways the culture I grew up in, though you know it's in Spain rather than uh, in Italy. Um, it's a world which is very patriarchal. I don't know if you noticed it. Mm. So the men have the money, the jobs, and they make all the decisions. So, you know, for example, that, that young, the Alberto Sordi character who's living with his sister, you know, and his mother, and really the sister supporting the whole family. So actually when she runs off with a married man, it's not just that she's running off with a married man, it's that they're losing their income. Mm. So it becomes a family trauma that way. But even though he's a he's a gadabout and jobless and so on, he's still the authority in the family, mm. right? Yeah. So so it has like these kind of patriarchal structures built in. It's also very evocative of a time that is almost unknown to us, where sex is both a real drive, yeah, but also so dangerous. Yeah. Mm. That kind of it can ruin your life sex right because you know there's no pill yeah kind of yeah you know it's small town so if you sleep with someone you might never get married there's different stakes for men and for women it evokes all of that so well and actually i meant to ask you because does it evoke that so well to me because i'm kind of familiar with all of its tropes or is the film really legible not only as about another time but the kind of structure of feeling that goes along with it a film that really struck me, it really reminded me of, was Cemetery Junction, the Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant film from uh-huh. ten years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, which I think was, and that's a film that's so consciously about a group of young guys just like these who are stuck where they are. It's, it, I think it has a much more active feeling of wanting to leave. Um, the, the the main character in that film is really kind of he's consciously thinking about how stuck he is in Reading where it's set and how he wants to get out. This has less of that, I think. People are kind of seem to be more content where they are, but I mean it really shared that feeling of life lacking opportunity. Yeah, you know, but also easy. Yeah, that's right. Because of course all the other characters in Cemetery Junction are quite happy where they are really, and they're happy just like these guys, drinking, getting into fights. I mean. You know, it's 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 in some ways not a bad life, right? Mm. You know, uh, so the thing that struck me also that was very familiar and might be the case in England too, though I don't know about it, but, you know, like in Spain, you grow up in a gang, 
right? So, I mean, you know, this might have changed, but, you know, when I was growing up, actually in the village it was almost even codified. There was a, a term for it. You were called quintos. And quintos was the year of people born, people born the same year who would then, 18 years later, go on to do their military service together. Yeah? Right, yeah. So they, they, and they would be called quintos. And you're kind of pushed together. Yeah, so... So what you have is these little gangs of friends, right? Mm. Yeah, that kind of grow up together their whole life long. And it's not an individual, it's a gang, right? You know, so a little bit like you yeah, and Matt. And, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, so you know, you'll definitely have, uh, although you change schools halfway through, but you'll grow up with certain groups of friends because they're in the same year as you and you grow up with them and carry on. And I'm still friends with those guys from school. You know, some people aren't. Some people yes. kind of shake them off, or whatever. I haven't done that, and I think a lot of people don't. Um, so there's definitely a relationship. I think that probably happens in most countries. I, I, um, okay. Yeah. Well, I think in Spain it was very codified. You know, you were pushed together, mm. yeah, to do it, and also that creates like really deep bonds, right? So people who spend their whole life together. I mean, the Ivitaloni is full of very touching moments with you know the friends looking after each other, whether they're drunk or walking them home or. Yeah, and to an extent even where, you know, uh, one of them, yeah, who's part of that gang and, you know, friends with the protagonist, you know, the guy marries his sister, he's cheating on her, and actually, yeah, hmm. he's kind of split between them for a long time where the natural thing would be you support your sister, right? Hmm. So, yeah, the kind of the group uh, um, calls on a series of, of, of attachments and bonds that are... Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know, quite peculiar to it. I thought, I thought it was such a fascinating film, actually. Also, the types that it showed you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a film that has a real understanding of psychology. It understands how people mm. think and behave and act with each other, and it's it's got such a it's got such an intricate view of and way of um, expressing how people interact. And like, so that, that mm. thing with the, being torn between the sister and the friend, you know, I don't. Th that's probably not that specific to you know Italy in this in this period or the you know. I don't think it's that culturally specific. I think if you have a strong group of friends, that's something mm. that, that that is something that will be that's very general. You know, I think pretty much anyone around the world, no matter what culture you come from, could see a lot in this film that they recognise. Mm. You know. Okay. I want to I want to ask you specifically about some other characters. So, you know, uh, because I think the film is also great because, as you said, it has a real psychological understanding, but also it's not afraid to go there. So, for example, the guy who wants to write the playwright, who wants to be a playwright, who lives for it, you know, who's already pushing 30. Yeah, he says it's his last attempt to it when he meets, you know, that actor who's touring Right. And then there's the scene in the pier where, you know, there's this moment where you know for sure that this this is a pickup. Yeah. That yeah. kind of, you know, the old man is trying to pick up the young guy. Uh, and there's a, a, a really interesting moment where the old guy is filmed as a quite a disgusting old guy. So all of a sudden his teeth are shown and the, yeah, mm. they're, yeah. Yeah. It's little things, right? So the camera doesn't show you a close-up of his horrible teeth, but it allows you to see it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy runs away. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, that happens once so, or twice, doesn't it? The film has, has quite a, it has a bit of a fear of homosexuality, I think. 
It does, and uh, but it shows it. Yeah. So you know, to me, the, to me, the fear is completely understandable. I'm not, I'm not taking issue with it or calling the film homophobic or anything like that. Far from it. You know, I'm just saying that it's a very rare film in 1953 that would even show, yeah, right. that in in that way, right? It treats it a little bit as a comic tragedy that you, yeah, yeah. Please come back. You you misunderstood, right? Yeah. yeah. And actually, so then it also for me made me feel a little bit for the old man, uh, as well as kind of seeing a little bit the comedy in it, right? He kind of had something about that about him from the start. I thought, even though he's he's approached as this actor who you know the guy uh, admires and wants to work with and so on. You know, when you meet him, he's uh, he's in a state of sort of undress in his dressing room. And he's got all this kind of clownish makeup on almost, so he looks like a figure of fun already. Uh, that's yes. why, that's how I felt anyway. You know, there was something about him that was not entirely dignified immediately. Well, he's you know he's saying he's touring the provinces. It's a hard life. You know, you're shown the cold and the rattiness of the dressing rooms. And mm. and actually, the film is signaling it in interesting ways because, you know, all the women are sitting separately in another table. He doesn't care a bit about them, right? Like, you know, he's sitting with all the boys. And then when the boys move to be with the girls, he gets kind of upset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so it's very subtle. Um, and, and, and to say it's lovely is the wrong word. But it, it does show a kind of, I think, a depth of understanding, yeah, mm. you know, in kind of in all of these interrelationships. The thing that puzzled me a bit uh, and that I want your views on is um, the brother of, of Sandra, who marries the protagonist. Moraldo. Moraldo. What did you think of that character? Moraldo. Yeah. I loved him. And, and he's, he's a big part of the reason that I love the ending, because the ending is his really he's the yes. character who leaves because yes. I, I got it you know i got him and i kind of thought he's he's a quiet lad who as you say he's torn between his friend and his sister the one time and and the thing that really got me about the ending right is he's leaving on this train and this kid guido who he's met earlier in the film who's 12 years old probably um who who works at this train station he's got a he's got a conductor's hat on sees him and he says, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm leaving. He says, where are you going? And he says, I don't know. And, and Guido says, don't you like it here? And there's this pause. Moralda doesn't know how to respond. He hesitates. And I think it's beautiful because it's like, it, for one thing, it's a complex answer to give on a train that's already leaving, you know? Like, it's not as simple as saying, yes, I like it here. No, I don't like it here. But in a way, he doesn't like it here. And you can sort of see the cogs turning in his head that he doesn't want to tell this kid who's going to be here for a while yet that it's a shithole, you know? He yeah. doesn't want to leave him by saying, no, I don't like it here and that's why I get to go, but you don't. But then, yeah, they say goodbye and the train leaves and you're left with Guido and Guido has this little smile that it, that sort of says, I understand. It's quite a cinematic thing, you know, that little yes. moment. And then he walks off into the distance and the camera sits there and, and he... Uh, starts balancing on the train track and he's basically playing and the conductor comes by and he gives him a pat on the head quite playfully and and the music swells and the music's beautiful at this point and I'm just thinking oh god this is the most beautiful thing and then it says fine in Italian which and to me that says fine and it's like yes it's going to be fine Guido's going to be fine and I was so happy <laughs> at that moment I thought Aww. it was a beautiful ending it's an unspoken moment that that it's so meaningful between the two of them I loved mm. that I love that so much. Well, I I love it as well. But let me push, 
a little bit because I don't know if I have homosexuality in the brain, <laughs> you know, uh, in relation to this film, but it seemed to me to be very subtly uh, either indicating or at least opening up the possibilities for it. So, you know, we've talked about the relationship of the playwright and uh, or the wannabe playwright and the you know the star the visiting star mm. touring the provinces right um then there's also the young man who lives the alberto sordi character who lives with his sister and his mother mm. right because he seems quite effeminate right and he's always you know he wears women's clothes to the carnival and he wants to perform and he's in drag and you know and he's a real mama's boy and to me, that also at least opened up the possibility of it. Yeah. I mean, it seemed to do more than that for me. I must say, it seemed quite clearly uh, coded to me. That's the impression I okay. got, at least. Yeah. Okay. But it's certainly up for interpretation. I mean, that's what coding does, you know. It never says anything clearly, but yeah. And then I also felt that about the um, Moraldo character. Right, yeah. You know, because, I mean, I was just trying to figure out those conversations with a young boy, mm. right? You know, kind of, where do they come from? What are they about? What are they signifying? Mm. Yeah, there's something in the air there. For me, his relationship with Guido seemed to me to be about uh, kind of opportunity and possibility and, and him seeing... Oh, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're wrong to pick up on it in a, diff in a different way, but I kind, of, I kind of thought of it as, you know, with this young guy, he sees a kid who you know, he, he once was, you know, and he's kind of at this oh. point in his life where, you know, maybe things should be happening for him and he kind of sees that future for Guido. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I mean, it, you know, I, I don't want to push it too much. So on the one hand, you know, you could see, you could see those scenes as, well, here's a young boy who's 13 and working, yeah, right, and getting up at three a.m. and he has purpose, whereas he's not even in bed yet and he's he's living purposelessly, right. So you could read it just straight out as that, but I also thought, I mean, certainly there's a reading which kind of resonates about this small town not having a place for somebody like Moraldo, mm. right, and you know there is a kind of an affection or an affect expressed from him to the young boy that is not just about, you know, you're going to work and I'm not. Yeah, you know, mm. like, I, I thought there's something there that maybe I'm not getting, that maybe it's not at all sexual, but actually it could be. Yeah, know? I know what you mean. I didn't take it as that, but, but I think kind of homosexuality in the film as a theme or a motif is not that compartmentalized so it kind of you can read it into i think all sorts of areas yeah and i think that's one way you can um although i so so while while i kind of i suppose i i suppose i it occurred to me and i just kind of dismissed it because i thought well this other reading is sort of stronger and that's what i was taking yes. from it um well and you're probably right i'm just kind yeah. of but it's not like it's not there i think you're right it's like yeah. it's 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 something that it's a motif that pervades the whole film yes anyway it's a possibility right but now let's go back, because I think we're avoiding the central character. <laughs> right? oh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So, you know, this gang has a leader, right, who's... Fausto. A person lacking in character, basically. Yeah, to say the least. You know, he lies, 
he cheats, you know, he gets his girl pregnant and doesn't want to take responsibility. He's forced to take responsibility. He plays the victim. He hits on everyone that moves, expects something for nothing, you know. Uh, and he's the one who also undergoes a transformation, right? Uh, you know, at the end, like his father beats him, you know, and he's a 30 year old man and his father takes the belt out to him. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, he at least acknowledges at that moment his responsibilities. Though actually the problem is that he's acknowledged them at several other intervals during the film and always return to who he is. And actually, I think he's a character that won't change, really. I completely yeah. agree. But he will yeah. continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, there's a shot of him that really struck me, which is, which is when uh, Sandra takes off with the baby towards the end. Um, he's sort of distraught and everyone goes looking for him and it's a shot of him walking down the street and he looks so dishevelled and raggedy and yeah. pale and um, and it's a really striking image because the whole rest of the time it made me realise how how he presents himself you know he wears good clothes and he has the, he, he, he does his hair up and he always looks good and it hadn't occurred to me that that was like that's a part of his character until he didn't look like that anymore you know, yes. so for, so for all the rest of it, for all the things that he doesn't want to do with his life, he wants to look good all the time. You know, he he yes. has an image of himself and he has an ego and he wants to project something. Like, like the moment where um he he he's forced to get the job at the uh, sort of trinket shop, um, they put a work coat on him and it just doesn't look right going over the suit that he's wearing. You know, yes. it has this contradiction in it that looks weird and. He does not fit in that work coat. He doesn't want to wear the work yeah. coat, but he's forced to be there. And it's 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 in his manner as well. You know, he he. There's no there's no there's no excitement in him that he's got this job. That the guy's being nice to him, giving him the opportunity. He does not want to be yes. there. There are some things that visually are just so extraordinary, like the whole scene of carnival, mm. you know, in the theater. I thought was just so beautiful, right? And it was beautiful in the way that it placed all of these characters and all of their interrelationships, right? Kind of at play during the dancing and the confetti falling and, you know, the views of the whole character and kind of, you know, you have like these traveling shots that kind of go into kind of each of the characters, but you're always aware, you know, of all of the dancing, the confetti, the swirl. It's the big event of the year. It's the one moment of freedom also in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carnival is where you can be what you want. You can put on a woman's dress, right, in a way that's acceptable. And then, of course, what happens in Carnival is not acceptable outside of Carnival, which is where you get the theme where he hits on his boss's wife at Carnival, and it's okay, but then he does it again the next day, and he's fired. Yeah. Yeah, like Carnival permits certain things that are not permissible. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, otherwise. Um now, the other moment that struck me very powerfully is when they're driving around looking for the wife and they they see a bunch of workers, <laughs> yeah, working on the road, yeah, fixing the road. And they go, fuck the workers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is very... Powerful. I don't know how. How did you experience it? I, I made me it made me laugh. I, I made me think of um, the bus wankers from from uh, the Inbetweeners. 
I don't know if you've if you ever saw the bus wankers. But, I, I, I know that well. You know, it's funny. Like, yeah. these young guys who think they're all that. This might be where they got it from. <laughs> I, I reckon they probably. I reckon it's just something that kids probably do. I, I bet bus wankers has happened so much in real life. To be fair, but you know, but uh, I, I think it's. I think it's a, a way that people think and behave, and they think they have that right. I thought this was like so powerful, you know, because it's a film from 1953, right? It's the time of neorealism in Italian cinema. They've just you know, got out of a yoke of fascism, you know, uh, the Communist Party is very strong in Italy, yeah. right? So, you know, this fuck the workers thing is like, it's so insolent and funny. But actually, I also think it places the film within a particular class background, yeah? yeah. These are middle class people who actually do hate the workers, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, and don't, well, don't know. respect them, don't <laughs> understand them, and... That's right. And don't need you know. to. That's the thing. They don't need to think about them. And, you know, again, to go back to the Spanish, expre- the Spanish expression for this type of people, señoritos, they're like little lordlings, right? Yeah. Yeah. They behave like little lordlings of their own particular worlds, small as it is, stifling as it is, you know, yeah, rigid as it is. But actually, it, per- it allows them to be little lordlings. So, you know, the w- their, their body language when you know, that disabled person is carrying the uh, icon, yeah? Yes. So, you know, they're walking, and this poor disadvantaged man who seems maybe even homeless, you know, is kind of pushing around the stuff because they're too good to push it themselves or to carry it on their shoulders, Mm. right? Like, they're stationed above. And actually, the way that they treat him, like, move on, fast, move here. (laughs) You idiot, right? It is a lordling mentality. It is, you know. It's got a Bullingdon club thing about it yeah burning money in front exactly. of tramps sort of thing that's right yeah yeah very much so so actually you put it better than i did it it, it does have that bullington element so on the one hand you know these are middle class lower middle class people right on the other hand they're you know they have a bullington club about their position in society mm. right and kind of they can afford to do nothing at all throughout their 20s yeah, yeah? Uh, uh, yeah. So, so, and I think the film is both brave and funny and sophisticated in kind of showing you these conflicting things because, you know, I mean, I like these people very much. I recognize many of them, right? Mm. And yet, kind of that moment of like, fuck the workers, you think, yes, it's funny and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking, because I was reading about, you know, this film is, is, remains a favorite in Italy. You know, that's what I was reading. And so I'm thinking, why? And I think it's, I think it's partly that. It's partly that recognize, not re- recognizability, whatever the word would be. You know, you can see that you you understand these people, and the film understands these people, and they are types that you recognize, and they're very easy to 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 grasp. But also, I think it has a kind of hangout quality to it. You know, you you yes. you, you kind of there are things in these boys to like and to dislike, but you can kind of like hanging out with them. Yes, I think it has that aspect. And actually, the thing is that, you know, so even the worst character, which is the protagonist, yeah, I kind of like him. And I certainly know lots of people like like yeah. him, right? Kind of, you know, people who are on the make and, you know, who've got quite a high sex drive and who are very self-confident sexually. And actually, for many of them whom that kind of sexual uh, confidence is really the only thing they have going for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and some, and like that's what makes him the leader of his group. 
you know. Yeah. Like, what else is there? Yeah. Like, other people have kind of, have qualities as well, but there's no question that he is the leader of his group. There's not even a question of a yes. power struggle, you know. No. Yeah. No, I mean, I think they actually call him El Capo, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, he's the boss. <laughs> so, he's definitely the leader. Uh, but... You know, you also see all the bonds of of affection, of love between all of these guys, right? I mean, I think it is a, be- a very beautiful film. And then, of course, you know, it is shot on location. You see the beaches and you see the clubs and you see those churches and the weddings and the priests coming down out of trees. It does evoke a whole way of life that is a, a recognizable past. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Or maybe something that people fantasize is as their recognizable past. Because, you know, I'm sure many of them, like me, are children of maids who were terribly exploited or, you know, stuff like that, right? Mm. But, yeah, kind of. The film does evoke a moment and, and the structures of feeling around that moment, yeah? Yeah. Very beautifully. What about the bit on the pier? Um, not with the old man, but with the, the, the group of kids. Um, that... That made me think of uh, Train Spotting, <laughs> the bit in Train Spotting uh-huh. where they go out onto like the moors, and you know the yes. one character saying it's bracing, it's wonderful, isn't it fantastic? And then Ewan McGregor goes, "It's shit being Scottish," and goes on this whole thing about how we're ruled by the English and they're cunts too. And I had that, fi- and again, that's like, and then that's a feeling of not in the same way, and not even in the same way as Cemetery Junction, but Train Spotting has that being stuck in Glasgow and going through the motions. And you know, there's there's a thing about an opportunity in London in that film, but it's it's really about nothing going anywhere, and that's why they all sit around and take drugs. It's provincial life, and actually, there's a lot of you know uh, uh, Spanish films and Italian films about this topic because you know, uh, and maybe you know a lot of English films actually. Now that I think about it, Room at the Top can be seen as a little bit like this. Yeah, so people who live in provincial cities. Yeah. So, you know, they're not villages. Yeah, they're not towns. They're a little bit bigger than that, right? I mean, you know, the the town that we see in Ivitaloni, you know, it has a pier. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. It has dance halls. It has cinemas. It has a magnificent theater, right? It has a huge square mm. that we see. So the city's just big enough to be comfortable, but not so big that it offers opportunities outside of one's uh, very particular place in it. Yeah. What about the fact that at the start, when they go on the honeymoon, they go to Rome, and all the other characters are talking about where they'd go. And all the other characters say, oh, I'd go to Bangkok, or I'd go to Beijing, or I'd go here, there, and everywhere. It's like yes. like, like there's, there's, a, there's a contrast between the, the idea, you know, where you would go, but then the the guy who actually is doing it has to face the reality that he probably probably Rome is about the only place he can go. But I think that also is very beautifully written because, as well as evoking that Rome is probably the only place he can go, it also evokes the idea that Rome is just as far away as Bangkok. Oh yeah, okay. I didn't think of it that yeah. way. You see, I thought of it as kind of it's only Rome, you know. No, you know, Rome is the big city where everything happens. So Rome is the only place that is kind of logically accessible, you know, the only capital of the world that is acceptable. But actually, it might as well be Bangladesh or, yeah. 
you know, the North Pole, right? Like, I, yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, uh, and actually, it turns out to be the case, right? Like, you know, only one person leaves this town. Yeah. Yeah, to Rome. <laughs> the rest stay stuck. Well, well no, to be fair, yeah. do you know that he's going to Rome? He says, I don't know where I'm going. Like, you don't even know where. Ah, uh, you know, sorry, he just, sorry. He there goes you go. yes. away. Just, he goes away. You know. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I um, just, I'm just quickly thinking about train spot again. Like, that whole thing about London in train spotting. Renton gets a job in London and he goes down there and he starts kind of selling houses. Um, he he gets out of Glasgow. He gets out of it. And then they come down to take him back. Like the provincial sort of life is, it's not just a life, it's an attitude. And they won't let him leave. You know, mm. like that's, it's actually, I mean, in, in Trainspotting, it has a real kind of evil to it. You kind of wonder when you think about, uh, if it's lonely, you think about what would happen to him next. Would that happen? Would they come and get him? They're not. They're not as evil as they are in train spotting. You know, mm-hmm. these guys won't come and try and stop him. You know, it's 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 actually really pernicious in train spotting. Hmm. Yeah. Can we also um, say a little word about how you know part of the part of the reason why the film evokes these patriarchal structures is because they're embedded in every aspect of the film. So, you know, um, I don't want to say that the film is sexist or whatever, you know, it is a film made by a man about men in this particular culture, which was kind of, you know, very sexist. So I don't think it does any particular violence to women. Um, But on the other hand, you know, they are pretty much, you know, wives and whores and marginal mm. yeah to 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 all the narrative right so the men are dependent on them they love their mama or whatever you know or they go after kind of this loose showgirl or whatever but actually it's just amazing how the film part of what it evokes also is you know so instead of saying sexism i would say you know these patriarchal structures yeah that are that are very embedded in the film yeah, well, the kind of note I sort of made about women, and quite early on, in fact, was was kind of how they react to the men around them, um, because it's something that you've said before about growing up in 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 Spain, where you know you'd have a village of sort of twenty or thirty young people, and so they'd all have to pair off with each other, you know. And there's a there's a, there's a feeling in this of like the women. Um, don't particularly like the guys around them, it seems. So the young women I'm talking about, you know, like the girl at the start yeah. that, that what's-his-name's trying to pull, he's trying to cop off with her, and she's going, well, what about Sandra, you know, this, that, and the other, and she goes, oh, forget about her. And, like, she's sort of, she's sort of letting him, but she really doesn't like it, but she kind of has to. Like, there's this, do you know what I mean? There's this subtlety about, about resisting their behavior, but also putting up with it because it's kind of the lot in life. Yes. You know, that lot in life element is also, I think, what partly what I mean by that the film evokes these patriarchal structures that are so embedded in it. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. They have no agency, really. They have, you know, I mean, the sister has a job uh, and she does escape, you know, but she escapes with a married man. So it's a loss of status not only for the family. How could she do this to me? I sacrificed so much for her, says the mother, mm. right? So actually, her behavior or her one attempt at freedom is seen as an attack on the family, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... so yeah. Um, I spent the whole time thinking anyway. I wanted more for Sandra as well, the, 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 the wife who has the kid, yes. you know? I mean... Yes. 
I, you know, I wanted more for her. I wanted her to want more for herself. Yes. Actually, that's a better way of putting it because she actually doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't even seem to yeah. realise that she can. Well, I mean, she is lied to by, um, uh, what's his name, Fausto, about the yeah. about the woman that he tries to cop off with and, and he says, well, she, you know, she came on, or, or rather some, he told his mates she started it and then they tell her she started it so she already believes that it's not his fault and he lets yeah. that lie continue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, it's, but she's lied to by him and she believes it, but she, she doesn't seem to... She, 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 well, I mean, it's kind of harsh in some way, but she doesn't seem very bright either. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I think, I think the sense of having what we would call low expectations, but for them, which were, you know, an achievement to, you know, to be married, to have a husband, to have a home, to have children, you know, to develop these structures for yourself. You know, that is what she wants. But what she accepts is that she has no power in any of this. Mm -hmm. So because actually she catches her husband. She knows he's been with other women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He comes to bed with the lipstick on and she says, mm -hmm. yeah, you still have lipstick on the side of your face or something. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so you, you know that she knows and also that to a large degree she accepts. I mean, you know, so there's a moment where she doesn't accept it. But actually, she lets him get away with quite a lot before she can't take it anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when she can't take it anymore, she goes to his family for help. Yeah. Because she knows she probably can't expect much from her own. Yeah. I mean, they're already supporting her and feeding her and getting her husband jobs. And, mm. you know, so I, th I thought, I mean, I suppose this is why the film is so rich, because it leads to all of these discussions, doesn't it? And actually... You know, we've been talking so much now about the richness of the characterization or the way that the film shows an understanding and has kind of a depth of kind of, you know, psychological dramatization of these characters. And we've barely talked about, you know, the sound or the music or the image, which, I mean, are just... Well, we began with that, I guess, right? We had talked a little bit about sequence. it, but not, that's not been yeah. the thrust of what we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, and obviously all of that is communicated via you know, images and camera movement and music. Yeah. The images that will stay with me are those final ones, like I say, which is where the film became became something for me, you know. So it's when Moraldo's leaving on the train. The train's moving off, and then intercut are these shots of the other characters asleep in bed. And not only are mm. they asleep in bed, but the camera is moving across them. And it has this yeah. ghost-like thing. And so, so it's not just that literally they are asleep while he's leaving early in the morning, which is probably true, but it's that it's that he is seeing them as he leaves, and he becomes a ghost, yes. kind of, you know. Yes, that's lovely. And he's kind of evaporating. Yeah. I thought I thought it's, it's beautiful just beautiful. Ending. And then that, and then the shot of the kid on the train tracks is absolutely beautiful because he's all right. Yes. And that's all I care about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. I love that too. Um, so it's like so Goodwill Hunting, you know. It's like that bit that makes me cry in Goodwill Hunting, where he says, <laughs> "Yeah, if you every day I have that thirty-second walk to your door, and I pray that you won't answer the door because it means that you've gone somewhere." And it's like, well, this is him going somewhere, you know. And to be fair, none of his friends have expressed that desire for him, but he's taking it yes. upon himself. I'm leaving now, and I'm getting to go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we highly recommend that you see it. It's on movie for almost a whole month. Mm -hmm. uh, so you'll have lots of uh, chances uh, to see it. 
It's extremely good. I'd never seen a Fellini film before. Ah. I don't think I had. I mean, I know of, you know, like, I, I, like a lot of people, I pretended to watch Eight and a Half, but I never actually have. Oh, no, I love, um, I love Eight and a Half. But no, I don't think I've ever watched oh. it. I've actually, I've got a suit made by a company called Fellini, and I've worn that more times than I've seen Fellini. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I don't know why I haven't seen this, because I have seen almost all of Fellini. Uh, and actually, this film is very different from his later, more florid, more imaginative, more surreal, circusy films. Mm. Uh, but also, you can see the continuities. Uh, and I must say, I think, you know, I really love this uh, film. So thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Ciao.